This is the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Smith. Uh, with me today, we have a special guest coming straight out of the local graveyards of Pittsburgh, PA. Uh, they're the dream team of screams, bringing their own spooky vision to the classic 10-in-1 style circus sideshow, stitched together with some thread, piano, and accordion, and resurrected with a devilish little punk rock twist. Uh, of the stolen stitches, we have Danger Dave today. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today, brother? Ah, doing fine. Thank you very much. As a quick description, um, you have the world's most most death-defying pianist. Before we go any further, I would l ask you for some elaboration on that. Oh, yes. I myself go by the world's most death-defying pianist to make Billy Joel blush with the acts I do. <laughs> My main uh, famous act is like to play piano with one hand and eat fire with the other. Other times when I can, I like to play with both hands while the torch is lit in my mouth, holding it with just my teeth. It's great. My dentist loves that act so much. But Tell me about it. My dentist loves me, too. Oh, yes. Don't they all. <laughs> uh, and the other members of uh, the Stolen Stitches are Claudette Simpson. Yes, Claudette Simpson and Charlie Tharjic. And Charlie Tharjic. Um, Claudette says she's the resident satanic sword, sword swallower. Like, that's just, you know, the oh, resident. Oh, yes. In honor. Okay. The Brownsville, it's like the main the main spot. Like, you know, it's a normal, like, housekeep. Um, okay. Like that. <laughs> And uh, Charlie Tharjic, I, I saw a lot of descriptions for what you guys do. It's just hard to place uh, one unique thing on one person. What is uh, his specialty? Uh, Charlie Tharjic, actually, they're, they are the old-time torture revivalists, like they like to call themselves. They specialize in burlesque, um, shock acts, and again, the old classic art of pain. Okay. Yes. Okay, now the, the stolen stitches. Um, obviously, we're in a pandemic, but... Uh, outside of that, where do you guys perform, or, or, or are you um, traveling? Or? Um, yes, funny enough, we actually performed our last performance together as a troupe in New Orleans back in March, a week before the pandemic, at a festival called the uh, Southern Side Show Hootenanny. It was our biggest show to date, and then one week later, we were supposed to go on tour in Kentucky, and boom, pandemic happened. But we just recently actually started performing uh, again, out in Elwood City at the Fearscape Haunted House. Okay. Um, what do you guys do out there? Is it a show or are you part of the attraction? Um, we're actually at the very end of the Haunted House. They have a Haunted House and an escape room. And once you get through all the ghosts and ghouls, you finally get to our performance where we put on a small five to ten minute stage performance. Oh, that's actually very interesting. I, I, I was unaware that it was. i seen the announcement recently. Now, I, I've seen some photos of you guys. Uh, this is the first time we're meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, first off, very impressed with everything. Oh, thank you very much. I had on here uh, Davi Della Fiamma. Ah, uh, yes, actually one of our good friends. He plays on West Virginia right now. He works with uh, Poe Folks Cabaret. He was originally from Pittsburgh here as well. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he mentioned you guys. Um, and it seems like you guys share a lot of the same uh, performances. I saw a picture of you, or one of you. And it looked like you were holding a, a torch into your mouth. Oh, yes. 
That okay. is. Is that you? Uh very likely. Me, myself, or da- or Davi. But okay. Yeah, very likely. That's that's very <laughs> impressive. How did you get into this? What what made you start the active sideshow? Uh, the active sideshow. Um, let me see. Best way to put it. I'd say back in 1961. I know I look young for my age. But... <laughs> you, you do. You... Oh yes. <laughs> but I would say my origin itself. I was walking through the graveyard late at night, and I met a man dressed in white, which was kind of hard to see in the dark. But he said, "Hey, you're a junior. Would you like to learn the art of sideshow and travel the world?" I said, "I'm not doing anything else today, so why not?" We signed some papers, tried to get me to join a timeshare, but I wasn't really interested in that. But he told me I sold my soul, but we'll see that later. Yeah, sure. And uh, this kind of formed from there. Okay. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, where, where did you grow up? I grew up actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. You're a, you're a local fellow. Local that's, native, yep. That's good to go. Um, now, outside of the piano and the fire, um, Obviously, you're a very good performance artist. You can tell just from your speaking voice. <laughs> I um, try. What, uh, what, what other um, sideshow acts do you bring? Um, I bring a classic mix of old and new. We do the Human Blockhead, which is I call the bread and butter act because most people have seen it in every show, which is the nail through the nose. I also specialize in eye socket lifting, which is taking special customized eye socket hooks, placing them inside the pockets of your eyeball here, and... Lifting very unique stuff in the grossest way possible. That's a new one for me. Yes, it I've is. I've never heard of it. <laughs> it is a bit more of a shock value one. Definitely the up 18 plus for that one. Just a, just a, a small peek behind the curtain. Is that painful to do? It is a very unique feeling, to say the least. Like, you know, whenever you worked out for the first time in a long time, you feel muscles you didn't realize you had. Mm-hmm. They're sore. Yeah, that was, that was one that I did not realize was going to be a... It, uh, it grows uh, on you. It I mean, takes some time. <laughs> My hat's off to you for everything, but that is the first I've heard of that, and that's so unique. I- yes, it is very one of the more dangerous acts. Again, those at home on the radio, do not try this at home. We hate competition in sideshow. But, <laughs> but regardless, yes, it is. That one took me quite a bit to learn from some friends, and it's a very interesting act, but very shocking and very to the point of sideshow. I tell you what, but we here at Inquisitive Minds, uh, we're all about safety. So if you're at home sitting about uh, and thinking about putting some hooks in your eyes to pick up a few things, we're going to say leave it to the professionals. Uh, we're, it's a hard stance we're going to take here. Yes, yes. Please do not try this at home. Wow. Um, that Honestly, that really caught me off guard. That's, that's <laughs> phenomenal. I, I, I'm going to have to make it out to one of your shows at some point. Um, do you use any any other hooks like to do? I, I, don't, I don't know if this is in your realm, but I've seen people use like skin hooks. Um, we do not actually. I do know there is a local troupe in here in Pittsburgh, Only Flesh. They specialize in the hook suspension. I've not done that myself. I would like to. Uh, my only opportunity I had was a few years back. My um, now ex girlfriend. We had broken up, and she said, "Hey, we'd like to come to this remote desert island and perform hooks while my boyfriend hooks you up." I'm like. This sounds way more sketchy than I would like for it to be because we did not have a good breakup. So I'm like, I'm just going to just wait until right okay. people come along. That might have been a good call. Yeah, I think it so. might have turned into a Hellraiser type uh, situation. I, I really that's what she's going for, honestly. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a thing to call someone. Yeah. So uh, Claudette Simpson, yes. the resident satanic swords, sword swallower. Um, can you tell me a little bit about her and what all she does and brings to the table? Uh, yes. So Claudette joined the troupe, I'd say, we put together roughly around 2008. Claudette joined about two years in. Okay. We actually met at a uh, variety show at the now distinct uh, Lava Lounge. 
They are a resident sword swallower. They're a fire eater, glass eater, before what we call mental floss, which is taking a long uh, glow stick tube, putting it in your nose, and by the magic of Satan, pulling it out of your mouth. Which is that's another I first. I still don't know. I can do. I can't do it myself. I've been that doing it is for another first. So many years. Oh yes. <laughs> wow. Um. That's cool. That's that's wild. And then Charlie Thargic, You said he does the uh, pain torture stuff. Uh yeah. So te- actually, technically they are she, but they are not. Oh, but oh, my apologies. Not a problem. Uh, they go at non-binary, but yes, they are the old-time torture revivalists. They originated with me from the show from. The very early eight, very early days. We actually performed separately on two different um, acts on tour, and met in Vermont, and decided to finally work together. They've kind of been my right hand person from the beginning of the show. They do fire eating, glass eating, again, very like they do our burlesque acts and anything kind of torture. Uh, another act we have is called uh, Human Pin Cushion, which involves taking very sharp needles and placing them inside your skin. As you can penetrate your skin, and by the luck of all the gods of Sideshow, no blood will appear. That is fascinating. That is truly a skill. Oh, yes. It is. My, oh, my. Um, before moving forward, just so I'm not disrespectful, Charlie Thargic, she, them? Yes. Right and Claudette, them? Uh, Claudette's just she. She? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, just want to be Oh, no, by all means, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. You guys said you formed in uh, 2008? Yes, in 2008. Now, how did you um, s- sort of form together? I-, I don't know the life of a, of a sideshow act. Is it a lonely road in the beginning? It is. I performed for a while just as myself as the world's most testifying pianist. And like I said, eventually, about a year in, myself and Charlie happened to be on the same tour, uh, both in different acts. They were playing banjo with um, one of the local bands in town and I was on t- and we had not known each other but her band happened to have about 10 people in it so it's easy to miss each other but sure enough we did a show in Vermont at an oddities museum and they had mentioned hey you do gla- you do sideshow I do performing as well and it just kind of clicked from there okay wow yeah so luck of the road essentially and then Claudette came about two years later yes Claudette came two years later on complete randomness I got to be doing a variety show at Lava Lounge and Seen all the different acts, and I seen there was a sword swallower, and I was like, I need to talk to you. Eyes <laughs> <laughs> lit up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I have more questions about the Charlie Thargic thing. As far as the burlesque, um, I think we all understand that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The torture. Um, I believe I saw Bed of Nails. Oh, yes. But when you say torture, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? What, what exactly... You, Act is being performed, I guess. Um, yes, depending on the act they're doing, they like the special. <clears throat> I think they like make burlesque dangerous and sexy at the same time. They do have a nurses act, which actually you can see. We uh, did a cyber video on our YouTube page. Uh, it's called Into the Unknown. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic video, and they had done a uh, nurse act where they do the classic strip tease and then take the needles we have that are specialized needles and start performing some specialized shots on themselves, putting the, putting the needle through their cheeks, through their face, and through other little sensitive parts. All this is fascinating. Oh, yeah. So they do that as well as they have another act as well involving, the, of course, the hot wax burlesque, which is stripping down and then pouring the hot wax on, again, parts you don't really want to. Yes. I, brave people, I've spilled hot wax on myself accidentally. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, and it it's wasn't not, a good time. Not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a pleasurable time. It is. Um, do you come? 
Uh, from a sideshow background, is there performers in your family? There are performers. It's not in sideshow. Actually, I blew up. I grew up with um, a family of bluegrass musicians. Okay. Yes. Ever since I was in the womb, I've been around by music and bluegrass, and kind of toured around around most of the East Coast. And my family. I started back in started initially going into fire around 2006. Um, I had met one of the local fire eaters in town here, Kristen. Uh, who would always street perform outside of um, the Benenham Center. And I'd seen her eating fire, and I thought, I need to learn this. And her and her show partner, Sean, kind of initially kind of showed me the initial ropes of starting it from there. But, yeah, it's kind of the first. My family was kind of a bit surprised I took the, this kind of performing route, but they said, well, you're a performer. My limited experience um, with sideshow performers, um, I just want to say that, but it has led me to believe that it's it's – a very, I don't want to say unregulated, but like a guarded thing that's it's not taught broadly. It's more handed down from person to person. Uh, essentially, yes. It, it seems like that makes for a stronger community. Um, in a sense, there are some very tight-pocketed community p- parts of it, for sure. We actually perform quite often with um, a troupe we had met in Louisville, Kentucky, called the Bizarre Bazaar. The Bizarre Bazaar. Yes, we have that. And also, as well, we have... As you tour on the road, you meet certain people that you kind of just click with, and you become their your show family. I'm a I'm a performer myself. I'm a stand up. Oh, perfect. So I can understand. Um, you eventually just click with people. Yes. You do. Is it was it difficult to click with people, but also uh, there had to be an intersection of they their act brings something to the table that what you have combined is lacking. Was that a difficult procedure finding uh, the group and like putting it together? Were you actively searching for a sword swallower? Um, I was not actively searching. It just happened to randomly come and out of nowhere. But, yeah, initially, we do have a certain theme to our stuff. We all are huge fans of Halloween and everything spooky. So it kind of just <clears throat> lucked out in our favor that both myself and Charlie <clears throat> – I apologize. Um, yeah, both myself and Charlie were both very weirdo, creepy artists to begin with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, to the people out here listening, if you haven't got a chance to see them, at least check out their Facebook page or something because the outfits, the pictures, they're all wild and outrageous, but in a good way. Oh, yes. You know, it's it's fascinating to see. It's very interesting. We try to scare and inspire, as we like to say. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a beautiful message. Um, I like anything that inspires. Do you have uh, any type of positive message that you have behind your shows? Um, I'd say the best message is do not be afraid to be the weirdo in the group, by all means, and just keep moving forward with whatever you're doing in life. That's the best way I like to put it. That's an amazing message. I can fully stand behind that. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Yes. And keep it fucking pushing. Keep working at it. And most of all, do not stop. I remember actually, oddly enough, years ago before my troop started, there was another troop. I believe they're kind of extinct at this point. And I was trying to jump in with them, and they read my message and saw what I just had to say. It's like, hey, I'm looking forward to doing this. Yes, I can do everything you want. And they ignored me. So rather than sit there and be defeated, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start my own show and just do it myself. And I like it. Um, I've preached on here before. Uh, it was actually going off about cancel culture being a myth. Mm-hmm. Just because if you produce your own stuff, if you do your own stuff, who can cancel you? So I, yeah. I like that um, idea behind, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Yeah, DIY. You know, and then you're responsible, you know, for for what you put out. It's harder to blame other people Mm. when you're doing it yourself. No, I really like that. That's a beautiful message. Um, 
how does one start marketing a, a DIY sideshow act? Um, best way, like generally, if we've started with was obviously Facebook. We started our uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash the stolen stitches. Do marketed tar- marketed ads. You have only have to pay money for get the likes and stuff. Do that, and for the initially beginning days, we started just going to open mic stages, which people did not see that coming at all. Many of these. <laughs> <laughs> we'd do that. Eventually, we'd find different venues around the area and book them, and just try to flyer, uh, get a street team together to get flyers out to the public, and kind of slowly try to build from there. I like it. It's it's organic, hitting the ground. Yep. I, I like that approach. I want to touch on something. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that. Uh, they they read your message and just ignored you. Mm-hmm. And instead of just sitting there getting angry, you kept it moving. I think one of the easiest things to get is a persecution complex, um, no matter who we are. Look, anything you do is a skill and a talent that you have to grow and hone and work on. And if you're not getting the opportunities you think you deserve or the stage time you think you deserve, it's easy to say, well, it's because this person hates me. Mm-hmm. Or this person doesn't like me. Or because I'm this or that. The truth of the matter is they probably have nothing against you. You just have to improve. Just stop worrying and keep working. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah. moving forward. I will always preach that message here. Oh, yes. Wow. So um, the punk rock, the devilish little punk rock twist. Mm-hmm. You guys uh, outside of piano, uh, you mentioned accordion. Yes, that actually is Charlie's main uh, musical instrument, Ortiz. Now, that is a rarity. I don't see much accordion anymore, and it immediately uh, screams polka to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I can think of when I hear uh, accordion. <laughs> well, oddly enough, uh, Charlie got their inspiration, and it's a big inspiration on both of us from uh, music Mr. Tom Waits, who is okay. one of the cooler accordion players. I was unaware that he uh, played accordion. I happened to see a clip on YouTube of him, I mm. believe, or Facebook, that said it was Heath Ledger's inspiration for the Joker's yes. voice. And he seemed like a cool dude. Um, I didn't know he played accordion, though. He does. He, he Well, now he kind of looked like the most badass accordion player. <laughs> yes, I've seen. Much. <laughs> um, I wish Claudette was here because I'd like I, to know how do you start an accordion? Because like I understand drums, guitar, even a horn. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who's looked at an accordion and be like, you know what? I can master that. I've tried that myself. I go try with Charlie's, and it's just it's way too many buttons. You squeeze in, squeeze out, press buttons on the side, and you're, it's it's just way too much. Like I thought playing with two hands on piano was enough for me, and then I'm like, okay, this is like drums times three, and so I just let them handle that on their own. Now w- w- when when She's playing the accordion. Um, is there other things going on? Like you mentioned you had fire in your mouth and one hand. Is is there, a, I don't know, needles <laughs> dropping on her face or something crazy? Uh, generally, part? for the accordions, it is so big. It's generally left there just perform with the accordion. And I'll often do like a fire performance with it. It's like an accompaniment. Now, I, I picked up a tone of a comedian from you. Yeah. From just speaking with you, do you incorporate that into your act? I would do try to throw in some little comedy here and there. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. A family of uh, bluegrass players. Yes. So you grew up, and you were essentially around performers your entire life, and then you see this man in white in the cemetery. Yes. And he says, "You're going to come. You're going to do sideshow." 
How did your family react to that? Not saying it's a, like, <laughs> no son of mine. Like, I don't mean no it like that. But, this way. <laughs> but, but how did, uh, how did your family react to you saying you were, uh... um, it was a little tricky at first and mainly like they've not really seen any, anybody in the family do that. So I started practicing with a friend just with nature of fire eating. And sure enough, I was watching my mom's house over the weekend, uh, years ago and was it? Yes, I think but I practiced indoors, which it's not recommended. But um, she had very practice high, fire eating indoors. Yes. Okay. Practice indoors. She has very high ceilings. <clears throat> By all means, play. If you do practice fire eating, please have a safety with you, which is another person with you in case anything goes wrong. But long story short, this was roughly 10, 12 years ago. I practiced fire eating indoors, and sure enough, got a small ember had fallen onto her little tablecloth. We luckily put it out, but there was a little tiny hole on the tablecloth, which I thought, okay, how can I explain this away? And she saw it, of course, and was like, what happened? I'm like, oh, well, making the, making the million-dollar story in my mind. <laughs> and eventually, like, okay, Mom, yeah, I'm learning to eat fire. I want to be a performer. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Was... <laughs> yes. um, I have a funny little story. When I was <clears throat> maybe 12, going through puberty, uh, I you know, I liked fire a little bit, mm -hmm. and I was messing around and I accidentally lit, I guess, a piece of paper on fire, and hit the carpet, burned a little bit of the carpet. Terrified me, probably the size of a grapefruit. Mm -hmm. And it was in my mother's bedroom, and I never got in trouble for it because that was the same day I also decided to break into her sex drawer, <laughs> the and, sex drawer. and find uh, certain adult things, <laughs> and I put everything back. Except for a condom that I just happened to have out of the package was just, you know, I was learning. Mm -hmm. I was inspecting a condom. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess I just left a full condom out laying on the fucking floor. Oh, no. And I got screamed out at that. But it was more like, okay, he's going through puberty with curiosity. Mm. Don't go through my shit. And uh, thank God that outweighed the little fire. I yeah. never heard anything about the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I know you're going to listen to this. Oh, my. I love you to death. <laughs> that was the perfect storm, perfect timing, perfect age, too, because you went through puberty. Yeah. And yeah. Just, you got a curious. I, uh, I stopped lighting fires. You know what? Uh, I hate to, I'm not a, I'm not a, pr I'm a prude guy. I don't really talk about sex, but I have another funny story. Oh, yeah. Just that thinking means... about that. Um, we're just going to air all the dirty laundry out here. <laughs> yes. I remember being about five or six, and I came across a, a nudie mag mm -hmm. um, that my mother had. But it was uh, it was not traditional. It was for women, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and I looked through it, and one of the things they had in there was a picture of hot dogs in a bun. But the hot dog was, I guess, cut up and carved to look like a penis. Oh, okay. And for about three or four years, I thought that women ate your penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just little six-year-old logic. But I was terrified that... Women wanted to eat your penis, and I wanted no parts of that. Yeah, understandable. I, I, That's was, a valuable part. Oh, people wonder <laughs> why I'm weird and why I'm so socially awkward. I grew up being terrified of the opposite sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes you feel any better, honestly. I have a story. Whenever I was around the same age, too, around six or seven, I had not known, and obviously I had a penis down there, but I was <laughs> completely unaware because all I'd ever known, like, I had bathed with my sister, but we never really looked down there what was going on. 
And I remember seeing a, I think, Spawn comic book, which I was really into him. I did not understand the story at all. It's way more, like, darker <laughs> than for a six-year-old yeah, to ever read. It's so much darker. <laughs> oh, yes. And I opened up the first page of the comic book, and there is just a completely naked woman floating in space for reasons. And I looked, I'm like, there's nothing down there. Okay, that is <laughs> very weird. I don't get it. And for the longest time, I thought there's nothing down there until eventually... I believe when I was about 13 or 14, my next-door neighbor, who was older, he was a senior in high school, he had some friends over and invited me over and showed me a, I believe, penthouse magazine, which opened my mind. Holy cow. It's a lot I did not know about life. <laughs> All right. This is what this episode has turned into. Oh, I'm just yes. dragging my closets out of the skeleton. <laughs> uh, the first time I ever watched a porno video, mm. I was 13. Uh, it was given to me by my uncle. Uh I look, I look older now. I looked older at 13. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a porno that he gave to me on VHS. I'm dating myself here. Um, but what it was was a holiday-themed porno. Tell me it tits a wonderful life, please. No. Damn. It was a Christmas-themed porno with about four or five women. Mm -hmm. And there was only one male actor. And it was a little person dressed up as Santa's elves. Oh. And that was my foray into it right there. So... <laughs> Thank you to my family for fucking me up pretty bad. <laughs> that was quite the experience. Yeah, that was that was traumatizing because at that age, yeah, I was excited. But then I was looking at a little person, and he made me feel inadequate. <laughs> it was very conflicting feelings. Like, I might be taller than you, but fuck you, buddy. <laughs> Just, hey. We got to put it out there. If I can't, if I can't be honest about who I oh, am, yeah, I understand. you know, um, <laughs> I don't even know where the hell we were as far as talking about sideshow. Honestly, it trails off. I guess it's a sideshow and burlesque and kind of just eventually leads the porn. Everything leads the porn, as I always say. Now, <laughs> I do stand up. Um, I'm not that big of a stand up, obviously. I'm only two years in. Still small potatoes. However, I get little fans or groupies. The only thing is they all look like me. <laughs> <laughs> they all look like me or you or my producer Todd they're all heavy set bearded guys that just won't leave me the fuck alone <laughs> do you have people that uh, I like groupies not the right word I'm mm -hmm. just using that to be funny yeah. but do you have people like that that they're just like blah blah blah, blah, blah. like uh, my biggest pet peeve is someone who tells me how much they thought about doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. Do you have people approach you with these sideshow acts afterwards? With the same um, I have, yeah. That's often a big thing. A lot of times we get drunk people saying, I'll give you 20 bucks, let me stand on the glass. It's like, nope, sorry, safety. Just, if you're ever drunk, it's just never a good go-to. But um, I do have some people... The thing with the sideshow is, as long as we're being a performer, we, it's a rich history. There's a lot of culture and history behind it. And I've had people ask me before to teach them, but... I'm not sure their heart's really in it. I can understand that. Yeah. I remember there's a girl um, years ago that asked me, they just broke up with their boyfriend and told me they were just being wild and crazy right now. They want to learn sideshow. And while I appreciated it and I understood what they were going through, but I also felt too that if you're doing this for the reasons of doing wild and crazy, then just go. You can have a one night stand. That's wild and crazy. You have your fun. <laughs> but sideshow is history and also too, it's dangerous and. Just make sure your heart's in the right place for it. Okay. Would you uh, consider yourself somewhat of a, uh, a little bit of a historian on Sideshow? A uh, little bit here and there, yes. I try my best to. Could you give us a few uh, bullet points of the um, Sideshow through the years? 
Um, yes, I guess starting in the earliest days, uh, back in the early 1920s, um, a man named Mr. Melvin Burkhart actually pretty much pretty much made one of the most classic acts in human blockhead famous. Originally, the act was a torture and pain act. It was more shocking, scary, and just you're putting a nail through the nose. Essentially, it's now the COVID swab testing. Uh, Dabby did that while he was here. He did the uh, he did a little sword in his nose. Oh yes. And uh, he told. <laughs> This I love this guy. He got me so good. He said, "I need your help to pull it out." Mm-hmm. I go to touch it. He starts screaming like I'm murdering him. <laughs> Scared the dog shit out of me. <laughs> but oh, he, yes. he did that and pulled it out. And then he had a drill mm-hmm. uh, in here. And you guys check out that episode if you want to see it with uh, Davy uh, Fiamma, um, where he put a drill in his nose. Like that's wild stuff. Oh, and yes. it's it's like I've seen it on TV. I've known about it for years, but even still in person to see it, it's outrageous. It's, oh, it's amazing. It is a very shocking, for sure, act, definitely. Like I said, back in the old days, it was originally a torture act, which is more shocking. Do not watch this at home act. And then um, <clears throat> Melvin Burkhart introduced the element of comedy into it. It made it more very fun. I almost want to say family-friendly in a sense, but he made it more, very more theatrical. Okay. Like a lighthearted yeah. approach to it? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah. You need brevity sometimes, you know. Oh yeah, not um, for sure. You know, we had a we like to have fun here. Last week's episode was on veteran suicide, Ooh. and it was a really heavy episode. Um, I want to thank you all. First off, real quick for everybody who listened, it's a very important issue to me, and I want to assure you the rest of the month is very, very fun, uh, <laughs> very light topics because uh, that weighed on my soul heavy. Oh, so, no, understandable. So you you so definitely hard. need the brevity in the in the oh, performance. Oh, definitely. Yes, for sure. I think it was like uh, Jeff Foxworthy had a great quote. I can't remember it exactly, but he was talking about performing. And he was saying in general how you know when you go, you got the world's the world is obviously very tough right now. But when you get a chance to go out through a show and just kind of escape from everything and just be able to laugh and just enjoy life for a little while, even for an hour or ten minutes, it kind of just resets your batteries and you recharge and just. Be able to get back into the world, back into the fight again. Absolutely. That's something I really appreciate. Remember, I always remember that when I'm going on stage through the audience. That we're here for to entertain you guys, to make you guys feel good, to kind of recharging it back out there. Yeah, you kind of you kind of uh, feed off each other. Yes. You know, the audience is there because they want to laugh or or see a show. In your case, mm. I'm sorry, this is just from a comic standpoint. Oh no, but I'm, yeah, but you know, we they want to laugh. laughter definitely. <laughs> and our whole goal is to make them laugh. Right. You know, so <clears throat> it's it's a beautiful unity when mm. it works together well. So he brought. Um, a lighter tone to Sideshow at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Melvin brought on the comedy aspect of it. He kind of made it the most famous. We call him, I believe, Blockhead has been around since many, many years. But he kind of, we call it the originator of the Blockhead, essentially. Since he okay. brought a new element. You have that. And then, <clears throat> I believe later through the later years, this, um, I would say, most famous uh, twin, conjoined twins, actually, Daisy and Violet Hilton, they uh, created. They were around during the vaudeville days in the 1930s and 40s. Now that I'm more so going into in the aspect of, by all means, this is welcome to everybody. But more so back then, sideshow was the main attractions where we called the natural borns, people born of. Is is freak show uh, an antiquated term? Um, it is. It's antiquated in a sense, but more so, we at least in the side tradition we call freak show is more so if you have an actual, um, we call a natural born, somebody that has a human deformity. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I just like to keep oh, up. Oh, no, by all means. So we call them natural. Call them natural born. Natural born. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. Um, 
I'm sorry. I just I I, I, oh, I, hate, no. to, I hate to off track you there. I oh just... no, by all means you're fine. Yes, I promise nobody's honestly going to probably stick with you on that if you call it a freak show or not. It's a standard thing. I'm just thinking for my own self from side draw story and just I love the old time culture of that and all the old time performers. Oh, yeah, Daisy and Violet Taylor were two of the uh, most famous at that time in the vaudeville era of the 30s. I can join twins who would perform together. They would, I think, play clarinet and trumpet. I would find it difficult if they performed separately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, actually, speaking of that on a funny level, um, I used to work at uh, Stage 62, the local theater, and we did a performance of the musical sideshow. So if you had a chance to see, it's a great, great show. And the two girls who were playing Daisy and Violet were not joined at the hip. They just were so committed to the role, they did not ever leave each other's side the entire show. Hold on. <laughs> Even in the dressing room, too, which was really impressive. <laughs> so you're telling me these people were not conjoined at all? No. They no, were just two normal people? Yep, no tape, no rope. They were just committed to the act fully. Wow, that's, yeah, <laughs> I guess you got to commit to the bit. Oh, yes. Wow, that's that's impressive. Um. Mm. When it comes uh, to the instance of natural borns, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I will loop or, or group in my head together uh, sideshow, acts, and natural borns just because it's lumped together. Is there still, um, not only is there still a market for that, is there still any type of unity um, between uh, 10 and 1 sideshows and natural born performers? Um, I would say, yes, there's still a unity. It's. It has slowly died out. There's only a few natural borns I know of left performing. Um, one of them is um, named Banjo Slacks. He's out in, um, I believe, Austin, Texas. He was with the 999 Eyes uh, Freak Show. Okay. It's one of the last remaining actual classic freak shows in the world. What is it that um, I guess he is? Uh, yes. He actually has um, – I do apologize. I cannot remember the exact term, but he actually has essentially the basic way to put it is lobster claw hands. Oh, man. Yes. Is he related to the lobster claw family from the Pennsylvania area? Uh, the Grady Stills? No, he is not. Oh, thank God, because those yes. people oh, were a shit show. That man is a terrible, yeah, <laughs> just terrible person. His his son, Grady Stills III, he is actually a wonderful person. He was featured on uh, the AMC show, Freak Show. Okay. He's a great, great kid, and his father was just not a good man by any means. If, if you're unaware of that story, that's more than likely a topic that we'll cover on this show at some point. Um, okay, so lob lobster claws. Mm -hmm. That's Now, that's interesting to me. I, I, I've never known anyone, obviously, and I've never even seen that in person. It, now... Is it something that, that they just look at? Like, I don't understand. Or the, do they do stuff as well? I mean, obviously, they, you're a multifaceted performer. Yes. But, like, what is the appeal? Is it just seeing, like, his hands? Uh, actually, oh, I do apologize. Actually, um, I misgave his uh, stage name. His name is actually Black Scorpion, not Bandro Slacks. I do apologize on that. But Not for nothing. That makes him sound <laughs> so much more badass. Yes, yes, Black Scorpion. But, yes, first time seeing him, actually, he came to Cleveland at the Bowery Ballroom. I drove about two hours to get there because they were the group that kind of got me inspired to do Sideshow. And he came out. He had a surgical glove on. And he came out talking with the audience, put a, put a chair down, put his hand onto the chair, grabbed a mallet, and just started beating the hell out of his hand. And I thought, okay, well, this is where are we going with this? And get beating and screaming in all pain, has some blood spill out, and eventually pulls his pulls the glove off to reveal, I've only got technically three hand three fingers. I was like, wow! And the audience did not know what to think of that, honestly. 
I'm I I had heard a description and I don't know what to think <laughs> of it. It I I would it's it's interesting that you say it's dying out because I would have assumed that just because uh, not only the internet mm-hmm. you know we we can see anything you want to see mm-hmm. and I don't want to say like. PC culture is not the right word I'm looking for, but like it's less and less acceptable to. Man, this makes me sound like an in the old days. Oh, no, no, it's I, I, less and less acceptable to you know make light or make fun of people for their you know physical appearance, and, mm-hmm. and especially ones they can't change. <laughs> that definitely and back in my day, like in my you day. can call a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I, I I just I lost my train of thought there because it's so wild. I was thinking about uh the natural borns mm-hmm. and if you don't have answers to this that's fine as well um but i from what i understand the people that were pinheads yes um were of diminished mental capacity um i'm honestly not 100 percent sure on that one myself really okay yeah. okay um i just i i know there was a lot of talk especially in the earlier years i listened to a lot of podcasts myself mm. about just mistreatment of the natural borns and such and such and I wonder, you know, how that went today if it was because they were uh, mentally handicapped, if that, if that's part of the reason I don't see any or I haven't seen any quote-unquote pinheads now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm honestly not sure. I know, like, back in the old days of the 30s and 20s, never the freak shows were in their full form. Um, I know a lot of people had protests about how oh, you're putting them on display, you're doing this. But at the same time, a lot of the performers back then, they had no other job. They could not really work at a Kroger's or Walmart. They, this was their way of making a living. And oddly enough, they were some of the highest paid performers in the sideshow because they drew, drew the most attention. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they were paid the most. Yes, they were They were the – like you had a t- uh, tier arc essentially in the sideshow. You had the natural borns, which were the top level. Then you had the working, I believe, or the – I can't remember the exact term, but somebody that would modify their body to be cut, to look like a natural born. Like back then, you had the tattooed lady or tattoo her entire body. That's when she would become second level as a natural born. Okay. Then you would have the working axe, which would be fire eating, sword swallowing, stuff like that. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating. Also, some of the some of the acts um, aren't appealing today. You know, like the strong man. There's dudes walking around that are strong as shit, big as hell. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a crazy feat anymore. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the giant, you know, watch yeah. an NBA game. Like the no giant, disrespect, but there's seven fucking feet walking oh, around. Yeah. The giant and the the tattooed lady are definitely unfortunately got, gone out of play as much. But we do have some strong men though. There's still actually do know two. Uh, my friend, Mr. Hot Todd Lincoln from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. He does a classic strong man act as well as a lot of good comedic puns. What what does a a classic strong man act entail? I guess. Um, classic drama acting entails um, a lot of times what they often do is one of them. One of them, they're most famous for, is rolling up a uh, frying pan into a, okay. li- into a little tiny circle, which is I still do not know how to do it. That's very impressive. It is. I saw Mark Henry do it one time. Yeah, and uh, I, that's that is impressive. It really is. It's something else. And I kept, th- you know, everybody thinks, oh, it's fake. It's it's fake. And I remember my first time being in New Orleans, traveling with a strongman to go to Walmart to pick up a frying pan kept the tags and everything to on get a it. real prank yes okay. and did it right on stage and i'm like this is wow that's pretty dope that's a nice flex yeah, <laughs> i tell you what you don't believe it's real we'll go to the store and get one now yeah um <laughs> phone book ripping phone book ripping yes another classic act in the in the strongman world okay now um all i know about strongman is essentially from american horror story 
and uh, cartoons. Mm-hmm. Do they do still uh, demonstrations lifting like large dumbbells and whatnot still with that? Um, not so much with the large dumbbells, mainly because they're more really hard to get on stage, and it's a very large, very awkward prop. But um, what I've seen before, I have a friend, um, Faust the Destroyer from uh, New Orleans. He does an act where he has a little ch- uh, essentially ta- um, seat set up where one of the performers will sit in it, and he has chains attached to it. And then he has a mouthpiece bit, and he will actually put the mouthpiece in his in his teeth and lift the performer up in the chair, up in the air, with just the strength of his mouth. That's a fascinating way to put it, because I feel like it takes so much more than just physical strength. And you say the strength of his mouth. Them chompers <laughs> oh, yes, got to be in there. Those are uh, not dentures. Wow. <laughs> that's that's I, I've always been fascinated even by, uh, I guess the closest parallel you can have is, it used to be like uh, the show Guinness World Records or Ripley's, mm-hmm. and you'd see like the Eastern mystics do stuff with their teeth and yes. with other parts of their body. And so I've always <laughs> been fascinated with that. It's uh, interesting. Um is there anything else out is there like still a market for the bearded lady? Um, not so much. I would say it's still definitely around. There are a few bearded ladies left. I know quite a few bearded yes. ladies myself actually. Yeah, I say it's that's um but it's kind of slowly dying out, but more so, a lot of the beard ladies too also do perform other acts as well. It's not just a single of okay. call words. Oh, look at my look at my beard. They often will do blockhead and oftentimes MCs. They learn to adapt to the ages and to go on. Now, um, before we start wrapping up, and and obviously, you'll have plenty of time to let people know where to find you. The Spearscapes haunted attractions mm-hmm. in Elwood City. Yes. Um, do you want to elaborate more on that at all? So, because I know that's your current uh, yes, thing. Yes, uh, we'll be there every weekend throughout the month of October. Okay. Um, do you know the price of admission, or do they have a website or anything? Uh, like yes, that? they have a website, Fearscapes with an S Haunt dot com. That's all the information they have. I believe tickets are fifteen dollars. Now, if you go on the website, they will give you every detail they have regarding COVID and safety. Stuff they're doing limited groups, like up to three or le- three or less. Okay. Yeah, everybody is forced to wear a mask. Everybody has hand sanitizers. They're making sure everything is socially distant as possible. Okay, that's that's great news. And I tell you what, it's if the performance is anything like this man's personality, <laughs> it's going to be an absolute treat, guys. You're not going to want to miss that. Um, I've also come to a realization of myself um, because as soon as October hit, October first, I started posting pictures of myself. With different filters and images, mm-hmm. you know, scary because it's October. Oh yes. And last night I went to a cemetery to do a amateur paranormal investigation, <laughs> and it just all clicked as soon as October hit. And I feel like I am a pair of Uggs and a pumpkin spice latte away from just being a basic bitch. <laughs> and uh, oh, and I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I I don't know what's going on. I, I did a show last night, and uh, my buddy Chris hit me up. How was the show? Blah, blah, blah. It's good, you know, blah. Um, hey, I'm leaving a mic. Can you, you want to talk? We can talk on the phone. I said, can't. I'm at a cemetery right now. He goes, what are you doing in a cemetery? I said, I'm hunting ghosts. Or he said, what are you doing in a cemetery? And I didn't respond for about 15 minutes. Because first off, I felt like it was self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. You know, what else am I doing at a fucking right. cemetery? But then <laughs> I just, I, I, I self-realization. I said, this is what my life has become. This is just what I do now. Like I don't know. Oh, nothing wrong with that. Honestly, it's a good time. Yeah, it it was a good time. Um, I'll elaborate more on it in a future episode, but we had some good interactions. Yeah. Uh, we had intelligent 
responses mm-hmm. from spirits. And one of our uh, team members, I guess I'll call it. it what's not, it's not a team. There's five of us. Five fucking people. Um, but he actually got scratched on the back. Really? Yeah. And it was a uh, a clear mark. Like he's, he, We were walking. And he says, oh, guys, hold on. Uh, my back is killing me right now. It feels like it's on fire. And the girl said, well, let's chuck his back, and I'll show you. It's it's like a 16-inch oh long wow. scratch. Wow, that really is. Wow, that is. Yeah, um, oh, so that photo will be shared later. But it, it was it was very interesting. That is. Um, at one point, I was speaking into a spirit box, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit more direct. I'm not Zach Baggins. I'm not a douchebag, but I'm direct. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, I'm, I don't got time for games. If you got something to say, say it. Or I'm turning off the fucking box. And about two seconds later, a voice comes on and says, fuck you. (laughs) So I turned off the box. Oh, my Uh, God. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I'll dig it. And then uh, without sharing too much, though, uh, they turned on their spirit box. Mm. And we started talking. And I said something in response to something I heard as made a joke. Mm -hmm. And someone said, nice try. No, out of the spirit box, and I was like, "Oh, that they, this, they're this is, watching you." They are paying attention. This is very. It was very interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I I definitely have to go to more. Like if I would have went and not had anything, mm-hmm. I would said, "Okay, you know, maybe another time." Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it only grew my my thirst toward. I'm like, man, but I have to take another guy to get scratched so i don't get yeah he's a, a, a special volunteer yeah. victim <laughs> <laughs> just stand right here don't worry about it don't worry it'll be fine you won't no. see it coming no that was very <laughs> interesting um no it really is wow also i want to take a minute to let the people know inquisitive minds podcast is sponsored by tenacious detail and all the month of october they're having spooky savings uh, with 15 percent off any deluxe package uh, including a ceramic coating for your vehicle um, and with the 15% off, that's a decent discount at an already cheap price for a ceramic coating. Uh, call now to schedule your mobile appointment. He'll come to you within three hours of the Pittsburgh area, uh, 724-498-9942. And also, check out the holiday merch. You know, this is our Inquisitive Minds podcast holiday t-shirt, Halloween shirt. Uh, it's on at the, the site. You know, check us out, inquisitiveminds.com. Or the Teespring store. You guys already know what it at, where it's at. If you're listening, if you're following, if you hear this at all, you know where the fuck it's at. You know, um, it just helps support the podcast. And uh, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the stolen stitches. We are as well on Instagram at um, IG slash the stolen stitches. Uh, you can book us at uh, on gigsalad.com slash the stolen stitches. And we do have a YouTube page. There's not much on it, but we do have some videos, some fun little acts. On just look under the stolen stitches. Now we'll say with that, you will find we are in a slight battle with a sewing company of the same name. But I think we are oh. oddly enough a little bit different versions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're de- you're definitely didn't. I had no idea. Do they want you to change your name? We've talked a little back and forth here, but I think eventually they've learned. We threw in the word sideshow on our pay- on it just okay. to make it more clear. Stolen Stitches Sideshow. Yes. That's wild. I always think back to the WWF 
Oh, yes. And the World Wildlife Foundation. Foundation. You know, no one was confusing the two. Not at all. We knew they were two different things. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. It still feels weird saying WWE. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. I grew up on WWF. Oh, yeah. So it still feels weird to say World Wrestling Entertainment. Fuck that. It's (laughs) it's the Federation, you know? Um, I don't know, guys. You can check me out. I have a show on Saturday. If you're interested in coming, it's in Venango at the Venango General Store. Um, don't know when the next one after that is. Things are obviously sporadic because of COVID. Please check out the What in the History podcast uh, with me and Dan Brady. I'm fucking, I don't stop, and I guess I'm a workaholic because I've started another podcast. Check that out. It should be releasing this week. It is called Who Sat on the Remote. It's an interesting little twist where we take a random show and watch three random episodes and design our own arc of how the story played out till then. Um, the first episode is on New Girl. Check that out. Um, you can find me at inquisitiveminds.com. I-N-Q-U-I-Z-A-T-I-V-E. Minds, remember, I can't beat this into your heads enough. It's spelled a little bit differently. Check me out on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter now. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. You were nothing but a treat and a joy and a pleasure. And guys... Check out the Stolen Stitches. Uh, check out the Fearscapes Haunted Attractions. Oh, yes. See these guys wherever you can. Um, they're amazing. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you See very you next much. week. All right. Stay spooky, folks.